everybody. We are so glad you're here today. Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? Anything new going on with you? Well, y'all might hear something new going on with me. They're going to hear it. They're going to hear (laughs) hammering. Everyone, that's hammering. So (laughs) about, I don't know, almost eight weeks ago, I ordered siding for my house and they said, oh, it'll be in. We'll have it hung in two to three weeks. (laughs) But you know how everything is? (laughs) So Friday, they were like, hey, we're going to come start your siding on Monday. The problem was I wasn't coming home from Birmingham on Monday because I worked extra Monday night. So I'm like, what? No, this is the worst possible week. (laughs) Anyway, and then we're supposed to have rain. They're trying to finish it up today. So So you're getting siding installed on your house. And of course, earlier I told my husband, I'm like, I think it'll be okay because they're working on the opposite end of the house. No, literally, as I came to sit down to record, they moved to my entryway, like at my front door. And that's on the other side of the wall right here. So sorry, sorry, listeners. But my house is looking really beautiful. I saw the photos. (laughs) It is so beautiful. I love what you picked out. It looks so good. Do you love it as much as I do? I do. Good. I do. And we're having gutters put on next week. Oh, that's it'll be f- so finished. It will be so finished, yeah. Yeah. We're having a super stressful day because it's, we have an offer on our house, but we're going back and forth, and it's like the craziest offer ever. And they made a lowball offer, and then we came back with a different offer. And then they countered again, and they're like, and we want all of your furniture. And I'm like, what? Oh, what? my goodness. What? <laughs> Uh, Well, this is funny. So I think I told the listeners a couple weeks ago that my mother-in-law, her daughter's name is Sherry. So she'll often send me like, maybe I didn't tell the listeners. Maybe I was talking about this when we did our VIP chat the other day. My mother-in-law's daughter's name is Sherry, and I'm Sherry. And she'll randomly send me like a message in the middle of a conversation. Then I'm like, what is she talking about? Or she'll send me a link and she'll be like, here's that thing we were talking about. And then I'm like, I think this is the wrong Sherry. And she'll laugh and she's like, yep, wrong Sherry. Well, this guy who's doing my sighting is her ex-brother-in-law. And she grew up with him, whole thing. Well, they haven't seen each other in years. His brother passed away years ago. But she said, you know, call him. He's a great guy. So I've been talking to him, told him who I was. Today, he's like, oh, well, when you want to touch up the paint, let me know. And -and so-and-so can do that for you. And I said, oh, who's that? And he's like, well, that's my son. You grew up playing with him. And I'm like, what? And I said, what? Huh? And he said something else. And I said, oh, I think you have me confused with Carla's daughter, Sherry. Oh, yeah. I'm her daughter-in-law. And he's like, I thought you were her daughter this whole time. (laughs) And I came inside and told Eric, and he's like, you might not have gotten such a good deal if he knew you were the daughter-in-law. <laughs> so, yeah, that was hilarious. I'm like, yeah, he really thought he knew me this whole time. He said, well, I haven't seen you since you were a little girl. And then he's like, well, You're I like, guess I don't it think, wasn't you. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm having a very stressful day. Okay, well, you know, buying and selling houses is stressful, but it always goes through at the end, and everything always works out. Well, that's just the added wrinkle of the furniture, and, and we were we were going to have the I know you know I talked about we were going to have the big estate sale, but see, now what are we going to do with all the other stuff? We were going to sell everything, and now they're like, but we want the furniture. And I'm like, we can't just I don't know what we're going to do. So now it's like, what what's happening? We don't know. Anyway. It's all, like, happening Tell right now. Tell them they can come to the estate sale. But, no, we can't. Well, <laughs> that, we can't have the estate sale if they're buying all the furniture. Because <laughs> that was the, but then we have all the other stuff. So Oh, my gosh. Anyway, I don't know what's happening, but it's very stressful. Yeah. Well, and some and of then your someone's coming you to taking. See. Well, maybe not. We oh might not gosh. take any of the furniture. But what's funny is right before we got the counter offer back from them where they asked for the furniture – Chad and I had just decided we didn't want to hire movers. Oh, so maybe you weren't going to bring any of your furniture Well, we had literally either. just had a conversation about, because we got the moving quote from the movers, and we weren't going to take much, but we were going to take enough that we needed movers. And the quote, you know, was, 
I don't know, several thousand dollars, let's yeah, just say. Yeah, moving companies are not yes, cheap. I, we knew it wouldn't be, but I'm like, you know, I really don't even know if I want all of this, and it's going to cost to move it, and we could just sell it in the estate sale, and then we get this offer. I'm like, well, there's the universe having our back, but <laughs> okay, you don't want to take the furniture, bam, anyway. We'll figure it out. It's going to be fine. I'll keep you all posted. Hopefully, next time we record, I will be able to say we are under contract and definitely moving. And you might be able to get a pod instead of a a moving truck. And I think we would probably just do like a U-Haul because all we'd be taking is boxes. Right. So, anyway. (laughs) It's crazy. Well... It is now time for our weekly good news segment. Today, we have a contribution from Jody. She wrote, My 20-year-old son, Matthew, came home from college to get a root canal one Friday. He had plans to go to another friend's college to a football game that weekend, but those plans ended up getting canceled after his grandpa died. My son decided just to drive back home to his college. And about two hours after he left, I got a phone call from him. He was hysterical. He had just been in a car accident, T-boned in an intersection. Somebody had ran a red light, and he was about two hours from home. But a few minutes into the phone call, a lady came on the phone, and she said, I am Matthew's mom right now. I have a son his age, and I know how you must be feeling. I am here keeping Matthew calm. I'm hugging him, and he is okay, and I want you to be okay. I'm going to take care of him. She kept me calm and up to date on what was going on, and she said that she was going to be his surrogate mom and not to worry. I had explained to her that he had just left Binghamton. 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 I really struggled on that You wanted to say Birmingham. See, that's why that was hard for you, (laughs) because you're from Birmingham, and this is Binghamton. It's too close. (laughs) So she said she shouted, oh, my gosh, that is where we are going right now. We are visiting family there. So immediately she said, I'm just going to bring him to you. I couldn't believe it because at that point, I was thinking I needed to leave to go get my boy, but I had a friend in town visiting that I hadn't seen in years. So these wonderful people cared for my son, drove him home to me, and kept me calm. When they got here, they just hugged me and told me that they were in the right place when they needed to be. This lady was a super mom, and her husband was great as well. I called them angels. Then to top it off, they told me that they could take him back up to school on Sunday if needed because they were heading back home and they were going to go right by his college. I broke down in tears because my friend was still at my house visiting. Her husband had dropped her off here. So for me to have taken my son back to school would have been a seven-hour round trip. I was unbelievably grateful for these angels that they were in the right spot at the right time to be with my son. So to think that these people were right there and driving to my town was just unbelievable. He came home that night with three cozy blankets, a bag of goodies, including water, a new sweatshirt, and two beautiful angels. There were other moms who gave him things and cared for him during that scary time as well. There are wonderful people out there whom gone places in our paths. With all the bad things that happened that weekend, his root canal, his grandpa dying, and an accident, I choose to focus on the positives, the angels that were there for us and my son, making it out of the accident safe and sound. Wow, that is an incredible story. Yeah, what are the chances that somebody would be like, I'm, I, I'll bring him home from two hours away? Yeah. Well, listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. So before we get to the life lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. And I'm going to talk really fast today about this one, Branch Basics. You've heard me say it before, and if you've been waiting to try Branch Basics, now is a great time to try it. You know, the whole time I've been keeping my house ready for showing, I've been cleaning it with the Branch Basics, and it just makes everything smell so nice because I put a little essential oil in there. Not only does it smell nice, I can customize it however I want, but the products actually work. So to find out more about them, they're a great clean option. Go to jenstevens.com slash branch basics. You can read more about why I love them so much, how I use them, how I customize them. And you can use the promo code cleanish at checkout for a special savings on starter kits.
And now it's time for our life lesson of the week. This week, we are going to learn about a wonderful practice that many of you may not be familiar with, and that is therapeutic horsemanship. Today, we'll learn what it is, who can benefit, and even how you can become involved and help. We are joined by Ginger, the Assistant Horsemanship Director of the Warm Beach Horsemanship Program in Stanwood, Washington. Welcome, Ginger. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. That was a mouthful. (laughs) Uh, So I had the opportunity to talk with Ginger on the phone a while back, and her story is really inspiring. So if you would, just start by telling our listeners a little bit about you and your background and how you were led to Warm Beach. Yeah, I'd love to share the story. I have been a riding instructor for almost 30 years and worked a lot with youth and adults. And just over the years, uh, my husband and I owned a boarding and training facility about 60 miles from where we are now. And we have three kids and two of our daughters really enjoyed a sport called vaulting. And it is an activity that is a combination of ballet and gymnastics on horseback. And you can go to competitions because, you know, it's America and we love to have fun things, reasons to go get together and have fun. So we would go to competitions. And while we were over the years going to competitions, we met a little girl who had cerebral palsy that was participating in the activity. And one of the things that I really loved about it was that there was a place for her in the vaulting world. So just put a little pin in that thought because as life was moving forward, my uh, middle daughter, who is autistic but was misdiagnosed for many years, had a really tough year, her 13th year when she was 13, and just was really misunderstood by the adults in her life. She was not diagnosed with autism until she was 16. So all of those preteen years, she saw the world from a really different perspective that we didn't understand. She was pretty lost and actually was suicidal as a a young girl because she couldn't imagine that life would be as difficult any longer. She She just didn't want to try to manage life anymore because she was so misunderstood. And her dad and I were doing the best we could to help support her. And that particular summer of her 13th year, we call it the summer of darkness because she was in a very deep depression. And really the only reason she would get out of bed was to go vaulting because it's this really unique connection with the horse and the community she felt really supported. And so that summer I was looking for benchmarks, reasons for her to stay alive. I mean, we had had lots of professional help available to us. We were working very diligently with the medical community to try to help her. And then as a family, of course, we were trying to manage, you know, because life was really challenging at the time. So she had gone the year prior to Warm Beach camp and they'd had a very specific vaulting camp. And she had connected with two young women at the camp who continued to reach out to her throughout that 13th year of her life. And I was so impressed that a place would raise up and encourage these young adults, they were 18 and 20, I believe, that they would think about a little girl who was 13 that they'd met the year before. Now, were these um, like camp counselors yeah. per se? Or, okay. Yeah. Okay. They were part of the vaulting team. Worm Beach has a very dynamic and competitive vaulting team. They've actually sent kids to the junior world championships. I mean, it's, it's kind of has been a big deal in the past. But these, so we would see these women intermittently at competitions as well. And so there's this beautiful touch point in my daughter's life. And I, I'm just so grateful. And I remember thinking, oh, I would love to have a place like that for my kids to grow up, you know, to be in an environment where they are encouraged to learn how to reach back into someone's life. And, you know, many 18 and 19, 20 year olds are really thinking forward about their own lives and moving on, not necessarily noticing a hurting 13 year old. And so I was really impressed with that. So that summer we sent Stella to camp And those women were, again, camp counselors, and they were also vaulting trainers. They were specifically a vaulting camp. This little girl with cerebral palsy was also there. And my daughter realized that this little girl who lived in the chair, she she lived in her wheelchair 24-7, and then she would, but she could sit on the horse and 
with support, she could experience movement. And my daughter was the, was a sidewalker for her and ended up making this really beautiful little friendship between the two of them. And at the end of the camp, they have a little horse show where they do a demonstration. And I watched it. And my daughter was a sidewalker helping this little girl perform all of these pretty intricate moves on the horse's back, knowing that without support, this little girl couldn't have done it. And then my daughter comes up to me at the end and says, Mom, I found a reason. I found a reason to live. Somebody needs my help. And I thought, wow, this is incredible. I went to the camp staff at the time and said, you should do more of this. Here we have someone who has a physical need, needing support, pretty happy in her life. I mean, she's got a, this little girl had a megawatt million dollar smile. We'd met her before, but we hadn't really forged a friendship like, like we did after this camp. And then my daughter, who was struggling to find a purpose and find a place to be understood, and to have a connection with another adult, another human being, and of course the connection with the horse. And my daughter finally saw some light and the little girl who needed help riding the horse had the support she needed and the two came together really beautifully. So I approached camp and said, you should do more of this. And they said, we would love to, but we don't know how. And so that planted a seed in my mind and I went home and thought about it and wrote up a business plan came back a few months later and gifted it to the camp and said, you should do this. And they said, okay, we'll think about it. And a few months later, they called me and asked if I'd come up and start a therapeutic writing and adaptive program up at Warm Beach. And so my husband and I prayed about it, sold our farm. We were ready for a transition and we moved up here. That was in the fall of 2017. So I have, well, I have a couple of questions that come to mind. The first one is, so I know that there is like real medical community recognized horse therapy. They call it hippotherapy. Right. Is that right? Now, so is your camp, is it like a certified like hippotherapy camp or is this more of a recreational therapy? Great question. There is a difference between therapeutic horsemanship, therapeutic riding and adaptive riding. Hippotherapy is, as you said, actually working with therapists, and the horse is an apparatus where the movement of the horse is utilized by the therapist for a specific medical gain. We are, at this point in our program, we do not have any therapists on staff, and so we are not offering hippotherapy at this time. Our hope is to expand into that area in the future. We have a couple of therapists that are interested in partnering with us, so I'm hopeful that that will get rolling maybe in the next couple of years. Uh, what we do offer is called actually adaptive riding. And as an industry, what has been known as therapeutic riding is transitioning, the language is transitioning to adaptive unless you actually have therapists working on staff. Horseback riding provides the therapeutic benefit, but unless you are actually a therapist, you can't call it that because it, it is confusing to the general consumer. And when you say therapist, are you talking physical therapist? Mm -hmm. Physical therapist. So it can be physical, occupational, speech, any of those that would have therapist after it. It can also be psychotherapy. Well, that's what, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Adaptive writing just means we are making accommodations so we can say yes. And then as a result, we have horses that are specifically trained to carry a wide variety of physical and emotional needs. We have a ramp that allows people who are not able to have mobility impairment, the ability to walk up the ramp. And then with our trained staff, we have ways of assisting them to mount the horse. We have adaptive equipment for people who maybe are... We have a couple of people who have two women that have multiple sclerosis, and they have a hard time sometimes grasping things with their hands. And so we have special reins, which are the what attaches the bit to the, you know, it's the long strap that attaches the what controls the horse into the rider's hands. So we have we have different equipment that we can adapt and change so that our riders can we want as much autonomy and independence as possible. 
We lend support by having volunteers walk alongside, and, and there are a couple of different ways to provide support to the rider in a variety of passive holds or restraints to help hold their leg in position, for example. They also will help with verbal and some tactile prompts. We have a couple of riders that have a, maybe are non-speaking. They're verbal. They can make noises, but they can't actually communicate with words what they'd like. So we have some hand gestures that they can indicate to us what they'd like to do. And of course, our equine partners are amazing. We have 23 horses in our herd, and they're a variety of shapes and sizes and ages. And we kind of keep them in a unique way. I don't, do you want to talk about our herd or do you want to ask any oh, more yeah. questions about Fascinating. our thing? Okay. So our herd is amazing. We have little horses all the way up to gigantic horses. We have a draft Percheron mare that's actually our lead vaulting horse. She has taken kids to the national championships and she carries one of our MS clients in an adaptive vaulting class. And she stands so patiently and waits for whatever we need to do to help our rider mount. And she lets this woman who walks with cane assistance, when, when they sit on the horse, it's such a unique, amazing experience because where their spines intersect when a rider is sitting on a horse's back, the horse's movement at the walk mimics our gait, our walk. It moves our pelvis in the same way. And so it sends all the sensory stimulus up the central nervous system, up the spine. So all of the internal organs and the respiratory system and the circulatory system and your endocrine system, you know, all those systems are, are stimulated as if you were walking across the ground, except you're not weight-bearing. And so these people who cannot walk under their own power very well get to sit on a horse and walk with hands free for an hour. And they tell me it is the most liberating and empowering and encouraging experience. And it, it is truly changing their lives, not only from a physical standpoint, but from an emotional. And of course, we're, we are a Christian camp. And so we weave validation and encouragement and building up of one another. And we accept all people and we just meet them right where they are. And so they leave in a better space mentally than when they arrive. And that's our prayer. When they, when they come on the property, we want them to experience peace and acceptance and love and joy. It just never crossed my mind. I mean, obviously, if someone can't walk, that they would be missing on those, missing the movements. Because they get around, they might be in a chair, they're, they're, they move from place to place, they're in a vehicle. But I never thought of being on a horse, mimicking the feeling of actually walking themselves in a way that makes a difference. That's when amazing. When I imagine that a horse can take some of your riders places that they can't go? I mean, do they do trail rides or stuff like that? Is that something that you do where they can get into the woods and like maybe someplace that their, you know, their chair couldn't get them or their crutches couldn't get them? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So I have a logistics question. I want to know how everything works. That's the way my brain works. <laughs> so, and I grew up riding horses, you know, and one of the things that you're taught very early on is to not keep your feet free, you know, be able to get off the horse in case of an emergency. And if you're having some adaptive apparatuses, are they strapped to the horse? Are they able to get free of the horse if necessary? How does that work? Great question. So no, they're not ever strapped to the horse. It's always freely balanced on the horse. The sidewalkers are trained very carefully and thoroughly to provide different kinds of arm support. So it'll be difficult for me to describe it to your listeners. It's easier to show, but there's a what's called a thigh hold where you would hold the front of the saddle and your, your forearm goes across just above the knee of the rider. And if the rider were to lose their balance, you can move your elbow up into the hip crease and it becomes like a seatbelt. We have a leader who specifically is in charge of the horse, advocating for the horse and paying attention to how the horse, the movement of the horse and 
I mean, we're going to go to the where the person might need the most support possible. So we would have a leader and we would have two sidewalkers, one on the left and one on the right. Okay. So mm-hmm. like three people per, per rider. Mm-hmm. Okay. So All our right. classes have uh, four riders in every class. So we have the potential of needing 12 support staff to help four people have an experience. The sidewalker that is on the same side as the leader on the left side of the horse, they are responsible for safety, uh, like an emergency dismount. You know, if we needed to get a rider off quickly, they are the ones that are trained specifically on correct body mechanics to be able to assist a rider to dismount quickly if needed. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That, we do yeah. have, um, we also have equipment, you know, where, where people would put their feet, for example. We have special stirrups that would break free. And we also require as much as possible that people wear boot, you know, a heel boot or, you know, something to protect their foot and their ankle. So we also have all of our, all of our riders wear safety approved helmets, riding helmets. And we follow very strict industry standards for safety protocols. We have three different pretty major organizations that we are affiliated with. Uh, we're affiliated with the Professional Association of Therapeutic Horsemen, also known as PATH. We have three certified instructors through that program. We are also members of the Certified Horsemanship Horseman Association, and all of our instructors are certified through that organization. And we are United States Pony Club Riding Center. In our program, we have over 31 lessons or classes per week. We have 115 students riding every week. Eight of those classes are therapeutic or adaptive classes, and 25 of those students are our actual adaptive riding students. So our program has a very large scope, and our adaptive program is growing. So our 23 horses are intentionally trained to bridge over into our adaptive classes and our general riding classes. And we think that's better for their mental health to have a variety of jobs rather than only one job. They're very happy in their work. We keep them in a little different sort of format than our our horsemanship director. Her name is Lisa. She's from New Zealand. And so it's, it's just so fun to hear from her how horses are kept in New Zealand. And so we keep them at Worm Beach like like they would in New Zealand, which is... How is they, that different? Yeah, yeah it's, it's so fun. Okay, so they live in herd groups because horses are herd animals. And so they live out in a herd and they have their little bands of best friends, their little besties. And they go out and they graze in these huge pastures all night. And then in the daytime, they come into a holding really large paddock that's easier to catch them <laughs> for uh, rather than out in 60 acres. So they go out all night and they get to be horses all night and then they come in and then they are hanging out and together with their little groups of horsey friends. I think we have two separate herds right now between the 23 horses. So one's got, I don't know, probably 15 horses in it and the other's got whatever the balance is. Because they get to be horses, they're very well adjusted when they come into the barn and we and we ask them to come and participate and be a part of our our ministry. So they're, they're willing. They're happy. We go out, we ke- when we fetch them, they walk in very quietly. They stand in the area where we help them get ready, you know, where we do the tacking and untacking. So this way of keeping them is a little different than many other programs that for space often don't have the pasture space that we have. Our property is really large and that's part of a, the blessing of being part of a larger camp in that we have a 260-acre piece of property, 60 of which, 60 acres, is the horse portion. We have the benefit of space. A lot of programs, adaptive programs, are in urban-ish centers. And so because it's tighter, they can't let the horses go out and be free and be in the herd groups. They have them be in individual stalls with limited turnout, or they'll have them be in what's called a run, which is maybe has a shelter and a space for the horses to move around, but they're often kept only with maybe one or two, maybe three horses together rather than the whole big herd altogether. 
I'm glad you explained that because when you earlier you brought up herd and you guys said, do you want to hear about her, my herd? And I thought that's an interesting way to refer about to your horses because I hear most people talk about, you know, their stables or whatever. And so I did pick up on that earlier. You're right. So, that's true. The, yeah. the language was different. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's New Zealand coming through. So my, my husband and I, our boarding stable was the horses came in at night, stayed in the stall all night. And then in the daytime, we took them out and put them out in a pasture with, you know, a buddy or two. Not this, they live out 24-7, really. We do have shelter for them. We do, oh, they're so, they get to have such a nice life. They have really, we have wonderful feed. We're able to mow our pastures. So we are able to have hay right on our, right here. We had a very generous donor gift us hay, uh, alfalfa hay, and he's done it for about 20 years, which is just amazing. They have regular veterinary care. We take care of their teeth. Horses' teeth continually grow and erupt. And as a result, if you don't take care of them, they can get really sharp edges on their teeth and it can cut their cheeks. So we take care of that to make sure that their mouths are comfortable. They get chiropractic care sometimes. They're carrying unbalanced and kind of crooked people. We have a couple people with pretty significant scoliosis. And We don't want our horses' backs to become sore because if they're sore and uncomfortable, they're not going to be happy to come in and be a part of our program. And we want we want our riders to be safe and to have really quality experience. We want our horses to be happy in their work. And so taking good care of them helps everybody. You know, they don't really have a say. With horses, you go out and you say, okay, I'm going to ride you today. And and we put a halter on them and we say, come with me. And they go, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but they don't get to say, you know, yeah, I kind of don't feel it today. You know, generally <laughs> not feeling it. So, you know, if we can make them comfortable and happy, content, and it really comes through when we ask them to carry somebody who's maybe a little more challenging a challenge, more challenging person to carry. We've not had a horse say no yet. I love it. They sound like the happiest horses I ever. know. I was like, these are some lucky horses. They, I'm, I'm imagining them getting like <laughs> horse massages, I know. chiropractic <laughs> care. It seems kind of. I'm, I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's some just good old diehard horse people that are going. Oh my word! Why on earth would you do that with your, with these horses? But. Uh, We have found that it is, horses are expensive. They're expensive to purchase. They're expensive to train. The equipment's expensive. I don't know how else you would, what other equivalent you might have with it, but you wouldn't take good care of your, uh, of an asset. And to bring a horse into the role, it takes about really two years to train the horses to do this job and to do it well. And the people who are riding are precious. They're precious cargo and they're, we owe it to them to give them a safe and quality experience. So we have a really high standard. We have a high standard of care. We have a high standard of training, not only the horses, but also the people. Um, We want continuity between classes. I've been at programs where, you know, there was a favorite instructor who was actually really effective and a very good communicator. And so everybody wanted to ride with that person, but they didn't want to ride with somebody else in the program who maybe didn't have quite as much experience. And so one of the things that we really focus on is staff development as well. And that helps us have that continuity. So people get quality experience regardless of who you're riding with as an instructor. You said you had, I think you said 25 of your adaptive clients. Is that what you call Mm -hmm. them? Yeah. Um, you call them clients or mm-hmm. writers or how? Yeah. Okay. Right. We and do refer are, to it as lessons sometimes. But I uh, was going to say, are, mm-hmm. are they lessons? Is that how you? Okay. Yeah. I kind of bridge between. That's a great question. And I'm, I hope I didn't cut you off. We bridge between. I try to refer to them as clients. And because I know that the industry, the adaptive and therapeutic horse industry, wants to become accredited so that insurance will help offset some of the cost. Right now, cost is a barrier for a lot of people to be able to have access. So as a result, I personally try to use more client-based language because I want to elevate the service in people's minds. 
when we have our regular our regular riding lesson program and our summer camp program, we refer to those as riding lessons. I try to refer to our classes as classes and clients. We do operate in a session format. So we'll do 10 weeks in the fall. We do six weeks in the winter, 10 weeks in the spring. And then our summer is kind of abbreviated because summer camp fits in there as well. And by having it be in the week format rather than a, okay, you just keep coming every week for 50 weeks of the year. It allows us to have that continuity. We try to have our volunteers sign up for the full session so that we have the same people interacting because a really pretty deep connection occurs between the client and their support group. There's a lot of trust that's built between them. So that's, that helps us, uh, that helps us keep that continuity and it allows people to plan you know, plan ahead a little bit. I want to come circle back to the the finance piece of it. So because we're on a session format, uh, people do pay up front for the year or not the year, but the full session. We do, pers- we do offer um, some delayed payment. We also have several, we have a fund that's a scholarship fund that we offer to help offset some of the cost. We are also just recently received a a contract with the Washington State Department of Social and Health Services. Horse adaptive riding is now identified as an alternative therapy. It's recognized as an alternative therapy. So people who have Department of Social and Health Services dollars in the state of Washington, through the help of their case manager, can apply some of their dollars towards horse-related activities. Oh, that's helpful. That's a big win. Yeah, it's a big win. So we are one of only a few recognized facilities with the contract in place. And so we're excited about that opening a bunch, some doors for people where cost has been a barrier. Do you also have donors or sponsors or anything like that? Like, like I can also imagine possibly someone who's listening and thinking they would like to help out. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. We do have on our webpage an opportunity. We call them partners in ministry. And the partner is that you believe in what we're doing and in how we are helping people have higher quality of life. And there's opportunity to donate specifically to the horsemanship program directly through our webpage. There is also a way to donate through our Warm Beach Camp website. It would be wonderful to have sponsors of specific classes to help offset some of that expense to our future, you know, to to more people being able to come and be a part of this. We also accept donations and sponsorship for horse care. Specifically, you know, uh, we had a wonderful donor who helped helped us with some of our veterinary care. They paid for all of the vaccinations for the whole herd, for example. That was a huge blessing. We've, of course, had the hay donating donation. He's retiring this year, so we're, you know, prayerfully, (laughs) okay, what's going to be next? We'll see what comes up, you know, from the hay in the hay area, but we're trusting that it will, you know, a way will be made. So our horses will be you? How long is a session? Uh, Like... A class? One, like one class. One class. So in our adaptive classes, it's one hour long, and there's four okay. up to four clients per class. And then in our regular riding lesson classes, those are an hour and a half long. However, getting the horse ready is part of the lesson. So the actual ride time is about the same. So in our adaptive classes, our goal is to get the riders on as efficiently as possible and that they would spend at least 45 to 50 minutes actively moving. That's our goal. And when you get a new rider, I'm sure it varies from, you know, client to client, but like kind of on average, how long does it take them to sort of learn to trust the horse and trust their what do you call the people that help them? The sidewalkers. They're the, sidewalkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I imagine there's like a whole dynamic where there has to, they have to learn to trust the, the horse and trust their sidewalkers. And you see that happen relatively quickly or mm-hmm. like yeah, a couple generally. sessions? Mm-hmm. With usually by the, by the middle of the first class, they will have established uh, a connection. One of the things that really makes me so happy is 
watching the relationships develop between not only the client and the, the volunteers, but also how the horse comes in and is part of the equation. And our volunteers, we elevated our volunteers because they are one of our most valuable, precious resources. We have this wonderful, multi-generational mix of people who have come and, and generously give of their time and their talent to help make horses available to people who couldn't do it under their own power. And uh, I've had a couple of women approach me and tell me that that they actually liked it better than church. <laughs> they said, I feel kind of bad about that, but they liked it because it's tangible and they're using their gifts in a really tangible way. We had an 85-year-old man with neuropathy that was participating in one of our adaptive vaulting classes. And he's a retired pastor. And he had, as a sidewalker, a teenage boy whose brother was star athlete. He, you know, the, the brother was like on top of the world. But for some reason, this boy that was helping us in the class, he couldn't do sports for some medical reason. So he had, because now you're, it's kind of like hairdressers and manicures, you know, you're touching somebody. So there's a connection that's occurring as a result. So this 85-year-old retired pastor is speaking into the life of this teenage boy and validating him and telling him that he matters and that he's important and he's, he's feeling a really valuable role. And they forged this just incredible friendship. When else would they have ever crossed paths like this? That makes me really feel good about what we're doing, how we're benefiting the community as a whole. We're helping speak into the lives of people. Not only, I mean, it's really, it's a ministry all the way around in that we have the people on the horse receiving physical benefit. We have the volunteers. They say that one of the ways to get out of the, if you're, if you're mentally in having like in a dark space and you're you're having a rough time, sometimes giving, going and getting involved in something is one of the best ways to help you find your purpose. And so we have these volunteers that are coming and giving their time to us, and they say they get as much out of it as the person who they're helping. In fact, they feel like they're the ones who are receiving the gift. And it's this beautiful multi-level layered cycle and then as the instructor, I get to stand and, and watch this beautiful dance unfold and see these And it lives doesn't surprise better. you because you saw it with your daughter before you even started this program. So how is your daughter still involved in it? Is she? Oh, yeah. She's I amazing. Figured. Yeah, she's amazing. So she's And how off, old is she right now? She's 19 now. 19. And okay. um, she's off at her first year of college and doing great. I'll tell for her, part of the reason her autism was not diagnosed is that at the time, now we were doing the best we could, like most parents, right? It'd be really tempting to go back and be beating yourself up for what you missed. But at the time, the standard for autism was really based on non-speaking, really withdrawn personalities. Well, she was hyperverbal, and she's incredibly intelligent. So she was diagnosed with dysregulated moods and oppositional defiance. Which, defiant. That's right. that's what I was thinking you were mm -hmm. probably going to say. Me yeah. too. I was a teacher for 28 years. Yeah. So, and, and also had, I was the gifted teacher. Yeah. And so see sure how very <laughs> hand in hand certain types of autism, mm -hmm. Asperger's particularly. Right. Is she diagnosed as Asperger's? She is not. No, they've actually okay. changed the, they've removed Asperger's from the definition, actually. So autism is uh, defined by stages and levels. So she is what you would consider highly functioning. But since we moved up here to Warm Beach and we were still involved, she was still involved in the vaulting program. She was diagnosed at the age of 16. Once she received her diagnosis, it was like she recognized that it was all going to be okay. Right. And we have she been, understood herself better. Absolutely. And that there was a reason. And I had been telling her for years, you know, God doesn't make junk. Every person is born with a purpose on purpose. And so you just need to find your purpose, honey. You got to find where you're going to fit. And you're going to be with people who understand you and who encourage and empower you. And we found that here at Warm Beach. Remember I said way back in the beginning, I wanted a place for my girls to grow up so that 
they could have a community speaking into their lives, encouraging them to be the best person that they were created to be. So that has happened, you know, here at Warren Beach. So my middle daughter um, last summer was a wrangler for the summer camp, which meant she was in charge of and teaching writing lessons. Both girls have stayed involved in the vaulting program. And now, of course, they're heading off to college and having fun with that. So, Do you live on site or you just live nearby? I live nearby, but there are a number of people who do live on the property. And that's one of the things that's kind of unique and special about this place is that we do have some resident volunteers that live on the property. We have some people that come in for short-term volunteering. We have a vol- on our website, wormbeachhorsemanship.com. We do have a tab for volunteers and they can apply for either a short-term volunteer, which means you live in the area and you come in and just help with the classes or with stable chores or maintenance. And we have people who can come and do a long-form application to become a resident volunteer. And then that has, you have to volunteer at least 20 hours a week. And I think you actually can stay on the property without a cost other than paying for your own utilities. So that lets us bring people in from all over the country and all over the world, really. It's pretty neat. That's wonderful. Well, Mm -hmm. your website is warmbeachhorsemanship.com. And we are almost out of time. Is there anything you'd like to leave listeners with as we wrap this up? Yeah, I would like to say if you're interested in getting involved some way, I would encourage you to look around and see if you can find an adaptive or therapeutic horsemanship program in your area and go volunteer or see what it's all about. Is there a website you would direct them to to find that out? Yeah, they could probably find it on the PATH, P-A-T-H dot org website. That's the Professional Association of Therapeutic Horsemen. I think they have a way for you to find facilities. And you don't have to have horse experience to be a sidewalker. You can be taught. All you have to do is have a heart to get to know people and to have some physical ability to walk alongside a horse. All right. Well, great. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today. Um, this yeah, it was really great. fascinating. I learned a lot of stuff. Oh, good. Thank well, you, Ginger. Thank you for, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to invite you to the Life Lessons VIP community on Circle. Not only can you interact with Jen and me in a private online community, you can also connect with other listeners and community members. Each month, we are going to be doing a one-hour video chat, and last week we did our first one. And uh, we just had a really great time getting to know everybody. We had some really great conversations, learning and sharing. And then we even followed up some of the conversations within the community the next day. We also have done our first giveaway within the community. One member won a copy of the book from Nate Novosel that we went over just a couple weeks ago. If you would like to join us in the VIP community and participate in these chats, our little video chats that are so fun. It was so much fun. Open to prizes that we're going to be having periodically. Go visit lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP. And there you will choose your monthly membership contribution of either $4.99 or $9.99 a month. You can change to a different tier at any time. Simply choose the option that feels like the right value to you. For those who truly get value from the podcast each week, we would hope that you'd be willing to help support us in this manner so that we can continue to do the work on the podcast and bring you more episodes. All right, now it's time for our listener-led lesson. Today's listener-led lesson comes from Tony. Tony says, if you are like me, you want to get every penny's worth from your expensive lotions and potions. If you want to get to the bottom of your bottles and jars and get that very last little bit, get yourself some silicone spatulas from Amazon. Just search makeup spatula. I believe I've seen them at Ulta, too. They're easy to keep clean, and they really do keep you from wasting products. If it's the bottom of the tube that you need to go to, you can cut the end of the tube off and then close it back up with the basic binder clip that they sell in the office supply section. This works for toothpaste, eye cream, you name it. And last, if your powder foundation or blush starts to get a hard film over it from oils that transfer from your from your skin, take a piece of packing tape and lift off the top layer of makeup. It will reveal clean, ready-to-use makeup underneath that hardened layer. Now, that's an interesting tip. That is a great tip. Yeah. 
So at the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. And today's quote comes from Raina. And it actually fits really great with today's episode. I didn't even really realize that until I just looked at it again. The quote is, movement should be approached like life with enthusiasm, joy, and gratitude. For movement is life and life is movement. And we get out of it what we put into it. And it is from a book called Everybody is Beautiful by Ron Fletcher. And, you know, I think she shares in here, and I think these same thoughts all the time. She said, you know, some people wake up and think, ugh, I have to exercise today. But they're approaching this all wrong. The thought should be, hooray, I can move my body today. I can go into the world and run or jog or walk or do cartwheels if I choose. To move is to create joy. Think about children. What child says, ugh, I have to go to recess again? Treat your life like recess, and you will be surprised at the good that comes back your way, at the way your aches and pains disappear, and then one day you'll soon think, I can't wait to go out and play today. I love that. Yeah, and I have said that before about exercise. Is like, think about when you are kids. You didn't go, oh, I don't want to go out and play. Right. No, you, you just wanted went to. Out and you, you ran free. And, yeah, yes. rolled down the hill and all of those things. That's great. a great thing to remember. I love that. So listeners, thank you for much for joining us today. Don't forget to join us in the new Life Lessons VIP community. Go to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP to be a VIP podcast supporter for either $4.99 or $9.99 per month. And your support ensures that we can keep bringing you episodes of the Life Lessons podcast each week. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, and we would also love for you to leave a review so we can reach others. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you want to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and then listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.